Hello again. Welcome to Tell Me. On this episode of Tell Me, I'm speaking with April McDaniel. April is one of my closest friends, and she is also the visionary and the founder of a creative agency known as Crown and Conquer. And they work with brands to create experiences and events to promote their products and share their stories. It's an LA-based company. It's an independent agency that is forging a new path for excellence for brands rooted in authenticity and passion, not just money and perception. April and I could talk all day. We had a great conversation, and I hope you learn a thing or two. There she is. <laughs> so April McDaniel is my friend. Full disclosure, she's my friend first. April owns a company called Crown & Conquer, which is an event company. And creative agency. And creative agency, exactly. Yes. So April does a lot every day. And I just wanted to bring her on and talk about her experiences because she's had such an incredible journey. So much triumph, so much success, so much heartache. It's a great story for anybody who is thinking about starting a business, wants to maybe start a business. She's just a really inspirational person. And I love her. And I learn a lot from her all the time. And I'm hoping that anyone who listens to this can also learn things. So <laughs> that's why she's here. I love that. I love that. I didn't know you learned from me. So I learned something new. <laughs> Don't we learn from each other? Isn't that the whole goal? Oh, my God. Yes. But you be schooling me way more than I school you. <laughs> well, that's just because I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. OK, so what are you doing today? Walk us through today. What does today look like for you? Today is a very abnormal day. I have recently became an ambassador for Louis Vuitton. So they have an amazing show in San Diego today. So I really shied away from in my career and since I've owned this agency, really being extremely private. So I just started doing press maybe three or four months ago and really starting to open myself up to tell my story and be a little bit more open about what I do and how I do it. More so because I think my team has scaled to be bigger and the agency that I do run and I founded is majority female with almost 97% female. So a lot of moms, a lot of women. And I think people want to follow something. They want to be led by something that they can see. So I've been trying to learn how to be more open and sharing my journey and being very select in that. In doing that, I was able to get an ambassadorship with Louis Vuitton and I'm going to the show today while doing 9 million calls in the car to San Diego. We're working on a pretty amazing creative campaign for Adidas right now, which we're knee deep in. So really working with my team on that. And that's kind of a day today, but not a normal day at all. I never go to fashion shows. I never do hair and makeup. So it's a first. And you're doing all that today. Fun. Yeah, I have to say, it's definitely something. And listen, you're right to be shy about being public because the more public you are, the more shots people will take. Yes. And it's hard to take shots and not shoot back. Yeah. You know, and therein lies the challenge, especially for me. It's really hard to have to have like a responsibility to sort of be a little bit public and have to put yourself out there. And then you're also opening yourself up to being super vulnerable. I think also the way you see yourself and the way others see you don't really match up. And I think people ideate around who they think you should be and then who you really are. 
And that's the part for me that's a struggle because who I really am, no one would even understand this life. So I think a lot of times it's not even comparable. So I don't want to open it up for everyone because it's not for everyone, you know? So I think it's been interesting to see what people desire. And I think social media has really glorified a lot of things that aren't real. So it makes it hard because everyone wants to see you going to the show and doing that. I mean, my first conference call today was at 4 a.m. So like by the time I get in the car to go to a Louis Vuitton show, I would have had nine conference calls and did this podcast and also have a son right now that has the flu upstairs, taking care of him, moonlighting as a nurse. I have two dogs. My assistant is here. Like it's literally a circus in my house. So I think what people want to see is that end result of you sitting at the show, but never understand the journey to get there. Right. And that's important to talk about. And it's so true. It's like we only see the end result of you all dressed up at the show. Yes. Now, was the 4 a.m. call about the Louis Vuitton event? No, the 4 a.m. call is for Adidas. It's for work. Louis Vuitton is not work for me. You know, it's funny because a lot of people, you know, especially young ladies right now wanting to be influencers or ambassadors, which really is a full time job, like for you to go to a show, your hair, your makeup, pull an outfit, all the things you need to do to attend a show is a whole situation. It must have been 100 emails to even arrange San Diego and all the moving pieces. But what I will say is I have to work. I have to provide. I'm a provider here at my house. I have two boys. So the show is a nice to have. But what makes me money is running this agency and the success of this agency and being responsible for other women within this agency. So, no, I didn't have one call about Louis Vuitton. My assistant deals with that. And my day to day is what I'm doing that ties back to work and the success of the women here at this company. Right. It's part of your job, but not really part of your job. And it isn't actually what pays the bills. No. Just kind of what you have to do to support your business. Correct. Do you want to talk about how you got started? Because the other thing about April's business journey is, you know, she started off in hospitality, working for Noah, and then evolved. I meet a lot of young people who sort of don't know what they want to do with their life or their career. And I think that social media hurts this, too. Yes. I think people see like, oh, I'm just going to be an influencer. It's like, "Uh, okay, then what? So back it up and talk about how you started. Yeah, I went to college. I went to Temple University, graduated. And the day after, moved to New York. I was adamant about living in New York. At the time, Sex in the City was our version of Instagram. You know, like you looked at Sex in the City and you wanted to be Carrie. You wanted to be Samantha. You wanted to be Miranda. You wanted to be Charlotte. You know, like you were a character that you had seen on TV and you idolized that vision. And I think everybody needs a dream factor, you know. So I moved to New York with minimal dollars and found my first job on Craigslist, which it was funny. I was telling my team and they were like, how old are you? Craigslist. <laughs> like, Wait, what did you study at Temple? What was your major? I studied PR and communications. I always knew that I wanted to do and orchestrate events. I was always good, even at a young age, galvanizing and organizing people. Like that was like a gift. I didn't know what that was called. And at the time when I went to Temple, event planning wasn't even a major, but now it actually is a major. But Temple was the number two communication school at the time under Syracuse. 
And originally I thought maybe I wanted to be a newscaster. And then I did an internship and they told me I couldn't dye my hair. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this job. I need to be like different hair colors and short and long. And they're like, the viewers like to see consistency. I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. So I was like, oh, I can figure out how to plan events. And at the time, again, referencing TV, you know, Oprah Winfrey was in her prime and Colin Cowie would go on to Oprah Winfrey and plan these elaborate lunches. And I was like, I want to be this guy, Colin Cowie. And I want to go and do whatever he's doing, which is, I guess, events. And so when I moved to New York, I started with Noah Tepperberg and Jason Strauss that at the time owned a nightclub, the number one nightclub in the country, Marquee. It was newly opened. I took a role there doing events 100 and under. And I think what was interesting was I remember calling and telling my mom I got a job and she was like, you're working in a nightclub? That's the devil. (laughs) Like That's not what you went to college for. And I was just so lucky to really, especially as an African-American woman, to work with two white Jewish guys that just opened the world up to me seeing everything. And from there, they opened up their venue in Vegas. I lived in Vegas and just putting me in the forefront of just planning really elaborate events. And it was doing exactly what I loved. And I worked for them for almost 12 years and really learned everything and really became an expert. And that was really what I wanted to be, was an expert at whatever would make me happy. And that's what I did. So worked with them for 12 years. They then sold their experiential part of the business. So I then took a year off of work. I lost my husband and I have two young boys at the time. So I took a year off of work was with my kids. And then I ended up going back and taking a job at this agency called Game 7, which was really amazing. And I managed the Beats account. Then I just woke up one day and was like, I really didn't want to work for anybody, which I think younger kids really want to be entrepreneurs. I think people don't talk about what it is to truly be an entrepreneur. I think there's a lot of legs to that. And so I started Crown and Conquer and I didn't want more than five employees because I knew what it was like to have a big agency. And I saw Noah and Jason do it and I didn't want the responsibility. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And now we're five and a half years in and almost 35 people. And it's a whole thing. It's not even what I imagined from the beginning, but it really is what I love. And the difference now is that you started out as a creative thing and wanting to be your own boss, which you absolutely are. But there's this people management piece of it that, you know, half your day becomes about HR. Half of my day? No. Once you're at this level, it's most of my day. So most of your day. Which that's why recently I just took an internship with JR, the artist, because I needed a creative outlet. Because the bigger you get, you know, like everybody glorifies money, but with money comes problems. With money comes challenges. With money comes responsibility. With money comes more people. With money comes eyes watching you, your every move, how you talk, what you say. You know, I think there is a lot of responsibility in success that people really don't talk about. And not everybody wants that type of responsibility, you know, and sometimes I say to myself, like, oh, I wish I was just a heart surgeon, like, you know, somebody that goes in and is paid for the job. And I'm an expert in that. And I can kind of pull back out because I think there is a lot of responsibility in success. And I think people take it on and understand it. But the challenges of it, I don't think are always discussed. 
Yeah, how challenging it is to manage people. Yes. In the different personalities and the expectations that people that work for you have of you. Yes. It's definitely very challenging. So do you feel like you don't get to be as creative anymore? That's why you took the internship with JR. Is it possible to delegate stuff out and stay creative or no? Yeah, I think that's a process. When you scale so quickly, you know, Crown & Conquer's been around five and a half years. Almost 47% of our existence has been in COVID. Like, when you just say that, it's like no one can even compare to what that even looks like because we never had anything like this happen in history, you know, that at least we've been alive to see. So I think there's been a lot of pivoting and a lot of reconfiguration and a lot of puzzle building to make success happen. So for me, you know, someone asked me recently, like, oh, well, what is the ultimate success look like for Crown and Conquer? And I said, stability. Like, you know, it was so much that happened in the pandemic, not just for the company, but for myself, for my kids, for the women that work here, for the people that work here, for people's families. That type of trauma is not normal, you know, and we're really trying to come back into what our new normal is. And as much as I would like to make 25, 30, 40 million dollars at the end of the day, I really just want everything to be stable because I feel like there's been so much wavering and challenge throughout the last two and a half years that I think everybody is really looking for that level of stability. So however I can create that as a founder and a boss, I'm trying to. And even more, people's mental health and people's personal challenges have bled into the workplace because we're working from home. It's just so many levels to what normal looks like now. And a lot more people, I think, have become very secure in what they want out of life more than ever and what they value. And as a boss, those things have to be taken into consideration because before it was like, this is work. You know, you leave here, you go home, you do whatever you do, and it's two separate things and they're not separate anymore. So I think because those things are so meshed together, you have to be really mindful on how you approach every decision, even if it is about work, how that could affect your team in a personal way as well. Right. So April, pre-pandemic, you did live events. Yes. And then through COVID, you were able to be innovative and shift because normally you would think, oh, a live event company during COVID, you're done. That's it. It's over. And April was able to pivot and figure out how do I continue to do events? Yeah. And so she started doing virtual events. Virtual events. And also we became a creative agency. So we started doing creative campaigns. We started doing content. We really pivoted. We always, as an agency, did influencer, but we started to do it more. We got proactive and creative on how we build specific programs like the Beats HBCU program with Beats and Apple some of the programs that we built that never existed before, we started to build more creative platforms like that, which allowed us to pivot pretty drastically into what we look like in the future. And I mean, we've pivoted to more of a creative agency that does influencer and does experiential, but also creative work. So we did a good amount of creative work in the pandemic for Yara Shahidi and Pharrell and Adidas and some stuff for TikTok for International Women's Month and AAPI and really just thinking about creative ways to be able to show up and really have an impact. And I think that has also been extremely rewarding, but it also is like moving the Titanic. 
completely turning the boat all the way around while, you know, people are out, while people have personal challenges. I've always been an extremely diverse agency. So in 2021, once the first year passed of the pandemic, we got extremely poached. So needing to rebuild our team, needing to restructure, needing to make plans on how do we make stable grounds for what we look like in the near future. And I mean, I think we are definitely getting there. It's just a process. Yeah. So what are you going to do next? So you're doing this internship with JR. Yeah. Which is to feed your creative spirit, which is really fun and necessary. And I think just to be a student of somebody that is an expert. Like, I think something foreign to me, I think what JR does is such an impact to the world and highlighting communities and getting people's stories and understanding the why behind the story. So I just think he is really a creative genius for people. And again, another way to bring people together and tell these creative stories, which I think is very unique. So for me, I think it's being able to learn something and become a student and not have a title. Recently in October, I went to Hoffman Institute and one of our things I really loved about it was like, You went in there and you just became April, not a founder, not a mom, just like April. No title, no nothing, just like who you are in the essence of who you are. And I think I really enjoyed that journey and I desire to have more experiences where it's not on who you know and what you can offer, but just being present and being human and bringing value to something in an unconventional way. Yeah, because Instagram and social media glorifies hustle culture. Yes. Glorifies hustle culture on one hand and then talks about me time and peace and not overworking. And there's something to be said for not constantly having to hustle. But some people like to go hard. I like to work. Yeah. This podcast was way more work than I really anticipated. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can do that. And it'll be new. It'll be fun. I've never done it before. It's going to be great for me. It's so hard. Yeah. I'm glad I did it, but I like to work. But then I like my downtime and it's finding a balance of all that. But I think our generation never knew balance, but this next generation knows it. And our kids, they know balance. They know they need a rest day. They communicate to us in a way that we never would have communicated as kids. I don't even think I was allowed to communicate like that. Like, I need a rest day? My mom would be like, what? You don't even have a job. Like, I just think it's a different generation. And I think they're learning boundaries and there's something to say about it because I think on the one hand, it's like, oh, well, you guys never worked as hard as us. But then on the other hand, there was a lot that we've sacrificed. You know, I think a lot of women have sacrificed work instead of having babies. A lot of women have sacrificed being in love instead of work. A lot of women have sacrificed being a mother and then not finding themselves. Like, I think it's a double-edged sword of really understanding what life's balance truly looks like and understanding limits before you learn limits when it's too late and you're exhausted and can't figure it out. So I do think it's really interesting watching the evolution of this. And I'm really intrigued to see where it heads when our kids are older on really what does that look like, you know, and really prioritizing their selves, their mental health, their rest while still trying to be successful. 
Yeah, it's true. To your point also of prioritizing what's important in balance, in acting, especially actresses, when you're working, you're working when you're young, they'll hire you all day long. You this job, that job, this job, that job. Yeah. They burn everybody out, right? They're going to take these opportunities yeah. while they're coming. And you see it in older generations of actresses who didn't have kids or maybe just had one kid because you have to work. Acting in entertainment and the music business, too, is certainly a space where they burn women out and women have to take the opportunity to work and make money while they can. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where you do have so many women nowadays being really focused on being successful. You know what I mean? But then there's a double edged sword with it. You know, how long do you chase something and want to be successful and be career driven and be ambitious but then want to be a mom and then want to be in love. I just think women are very unique and women and men are put on the same playing field and it's not the same. Like we birth kids, we're required to do so much more than men are in a lot of ways, you know? And I think people don't talk about that and like the challenges of it and the challenges of really being a mom and being a present mom and what a mom is supposed to offer a child and be nurturing and be consistent and be stable. And, you know, while still doing that for your workplace, while still doing that for your significant other, while still doing that for your family, there's something to say about a matriarch and what women are really able to do. And not every man is stepping up to the plate to take on the job of being a great father either. So you do have a lot of single moms so I think it's hard. Same as I think it's different to be a female founder. Like, you know, I talked to so many of my guy friends in the pandemic and they're like, just lay people off. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> and I was like, what? No. Like, these women have kids. They've worked with me from the beginning. I can't lay them off. It's not okay. And some guys weren't even flinching about it. They didn't even think twice. It was like, when everything comes back, we'll rehire them. And I'm like, but this is such amazing talent. How could we get rid of them? And I just think it's a different mindset. And I think there's things good about it. And then there's things bad about it. And we just are cut differently. So I think it's really interesting how everyone is like, oh, it's an equal playing field and it's never been equal. And I don't think it is equal. And I don't even think the titles mom and dad are always equal. No, for sure. I mean, I think that this is going to sound sexist, but it's easier for us to multitask. However, our brains are different. It's easier for us to multitask. Yes. So we are completely, to your point, just built differently. And God bless the men who are stepping up and taking more of the responsibility. But it's definitely true. We're capable of doing many more things at one time. But I think also it's not that we all want to. I talk to all my girlfriends, including you, and we talk about we're tired, we're done, we're this. Like, we don't want to. I think women, in a lot of ways, we don't think we have a choice because some of the things are a mandate. Like, being a great mom is just a mandate for most women. So being a loyal employee, like, certain things are just come with a high level of integrity, at least the women I surround myself with, that although we wish it was optional, I don't even think we could bring ourselves to be okay with it, you know, and just being like, oh, well, you want to take the kids? I'm just not going to do that for three weeks. Like, I don't even know if I could do that. Yeah, no, it's true. Some things, it is amazing to watch the way men get down. Yes. And the way men operate. They're just like, yeah, get rid of that person. Yes. They just walk in a room. Let's do this. Why can't we do this? Yeah. And it's like, I say that to Stella all the time. I'm like, watch the way that boys walk into a room and just say what they need. 
and say what they want. Like yeah. you have to get comfortable doing that. Yes. Because it's something that's learned and taught, but also biologically. I think biologically we're just more like, is it okay to say that? Yes. And men don't go through that at all. They literally don't give it a second thought. They're just like, yep, we're going to fire this person. Can't afford you. You got to go. Yeah. A raise. Like, yeah. what are you, crazy? But everybody would say, oh, that that is because women are emotional. I actually don't think it's emotion as much as it is like integrity and us really understanding our full worth. So I don't think it's an emotional decision. I think it is more, well, should we do that? And I think a lot of women have a high level of integrity where they're like, "Mm, that actually is not okay. You know what I mean? So it's hard to do it because we know that something is not okay. I think sometimes decisions can be made without the integrity component, just in like, this is what it is and we have to move on. And I think we operate a lot differently. We make people, we have more compassion, possibly. Yes, and empathy. Yeah, we have more of a well of compassion and empathy for other people. Yeah. But there's also a competitive side to women that's super real too. Let's not sleep on that, you know. Oh, I'm a savage. (laughs) You're a savage, but you're not a jealous person and you're not jealous of other women that are successful. No. And you're not a hater and you don't tear other people down. No. When I say a savage, I mean like very competitive and I really want to be the best at what I do. So I strive for a high level of excellence that, to be honest, sometimes I'm like, does it even exist? I don't even know that my level of excellence that I strive for is even obtainable sometimes because I feel like sometimes I'm hard on myself about certain things And the person that's looking at it is like, oh, that's perfect. And I'm like, what? That's perfect? No, it's not. So I think, again, evaluating when is good enough. You know what I mean? And I think I personally struggle with that in a lot of ways. It's so funny. I don't really watch TV, but I watched Shark Tank once. And one of the ladies on there said, my 70% is your 150. So one of the biggest key learnings that I learned as a businesswoman was to learn to work at 70%. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And I've been trying to learn to work at 70% because I do believe my one-fifth is off the rails. Like no one is even operating at 150. And to be honest, my 100% is probably not sustainable long-term. So how do I learn to operate at that 70% and use the 30% to do what I love and craft better what I can do better? So it was very eye-opening when she made that statement because I do think I strive for something that people are like, we weren't even looking at that detail. And I was like, you weren't? Yeah, well, it's a valid point because also being a mother, having that piece is that other 30%? Yeah. Not that you only put 30% into being a mother, but I'm saying during the workday, Shonda Rhimes recently said somewhere, or maybe she didn't say it, but it said she said it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm not fully present when I'm at work. You can't be. If you're a mother, you cannot be fully present. Yeah. And that is very true. As hard as we go, we're still looking at my phone all day long to make sure the school's not calling. Yeah. To make sure something didn't happen. You know, make sure everyone's getting picked up on time or whatever it is. Exactly. It's very true. 
true. It's a welcome distraction. Yes. To be able to have kids and have to focus on that. And it's a privilege, definitely is a privilege to be able to do all of those things. You know, some women, as much as we can complain about how much we have to do, we also have to acknowledge that a lot of women don't have the privilege to be doing all of those things. And they would like to be doing all of those things. They haven't had the opportunity afforded to them or they've had some unlucky breaks, whatever it is. So let's just acknowledge that we are lucky to be able to be doing all of these things. Yes, 100 percent. Very lucky. What else? What are you wearing to the Vuitton show? What's happening? Uh, well, they dressed me, uh-huh. so I am so thankful. Do you like it? I do. I got to Good. pick it okay. out. And the team has been so amazing. And I think also just I'm really honored that they select somebody like myself that's just really a working girl. You know, I don't post a bunch of content. I'm not doing all the expected things. And I think trying to work on the perception of what an ambassador may look like, I think is really important, like for people to see more individuals that truly do have a life are doing other things besides this full time, running a business, being a leader in the industry. Like I really admire that about them as an organization as well. So really excited to be a part of the journey with them and Also them opening up opportunity to more unexpected individuals is what I think a lot of partners should be doing in general. Like, I think it's this kind of filter system on influencer that everyone looks at and it's like, okay, you check all these boxes and we'll pay you this money for you to do this. And I think as much as we can be organic with some of it, I think more so for the younger ladies and young girls that are out here so they can at least admire something that could potentially be obtainable for them because not everybody can be an influencer. You know what I mean? That's not possible. And, you know, when you start to think about what does that include? Is it your friend circle? Is it who you know and what that includes? But I think being able just to highlight amazing women is exciting. And I think that's just a lesson for many brands as you play in the influencer space to be highlighting activists, artists. Like there's just so many amazing individuals that don't fall in that category of posting every single day because they're actually living that I think is a great message to spread, especially for young women. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really important for all different types of young women to see themselves. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you think young ladies need to know or young men listening to this need to know? Yeah, no, I think as a young woman, it's really just trusting yourself. I think that was a skill that I learned at a really young age. I always trusted myself from like age five. I was just confident. I trusted myself. I didn't question what my gut gave me as, okay, does this feel right? Does it not? And I think a lot of young women especially need to trust themselves in whatever the journey is that they're looking for. And especially young founders, trusting what you're doing, because a lot of times people aren't going to believe and a lot of times people don't understand. And it's your job to kind of be your own cheerleader. So if you don't trust yourself, I think a lot of times that's when failure and other emotions can come in, which are very real. So I think as people continue to mature and grow as women, mature and grow as mothers, mature and grow as founders, which are three things that I'm familiar with, It's really trusting and believing that whatever you're building and you're doing is what's best for you and just keeping yourself 
as a priority on that list and making sure you don't fall at number 10 and you stay in the top three just as a human and an individual. Just don't compare yourself to other people. No, there's no comparison. It is completely pointless. There's no value in it whatsoever. What one person is doing, their journey has absolutely nothing to do with your journey. Nothing. Your journey can't look like them. No. You can't want to be them. You can't want to be someone else. You have to be you. You can be inspired by people. Correct. You can take little bits and pieces, but your career and your life and your journey is not going to ever look like anyone else's. So you shouldn't model it after anybody else. You got to pave your own path. And I would say with social media, a lot of the things that people would like to model are actually not real. Like, you know, I've referenced something like Sex in the City, but when I moved to New York, I knew that that was a TV show. That was not reality. (laughs) I knew that that wasn't real. But I think a lot of people are looking at social media and idolizing people, individuals, body types, looks, careers, money, success as real. And a lot of that is not real. People decide to show what they want to show in the way that they want to show it. It's curated. So I think really just staying true to yourself and understanding there is nothing to compare yourself to because it's only one of you is the great part about growing and maturing as an adult over time. So who you may be at 21 is definitely not who you are at 41. For sure. That journey is going to change immensely with ups, downs, trauma, heartache, heartbreak, love, excitement, all of those kinds of emotions that are going to make you a different individual in 20 years. So some people feel hopeless at 18, but the reality of it is that could change in three months. My business has completely changed in the last two years. And if you would have told me I was a creative agency working on big campaigns for Adidas two and a half years ago, I'd have said there's no way. Don't ever discount what's possible because you may not see it for yourself directly in the near future, but it lies there. Yeah. And social media doesn't show resilience, right? It doesn't show heartache. It doesn't show resilience, but it's really true. It's like the depths of despair when you're 18, like you say, or whenever the depths of despair happen to wash over you, you do feel many times like you can't possibly get up. You can't possibly go on. Yeah. So you just got to fight through. Resilience is success. We can talk about entrepreneurship. We could talk about owning a company. We could talk about having money, but But the true wealth is resilience in picking yourself up off the floor when you don't think you can. And that's why you're one of my best friends and my biggest inspirations. Oh, thank you. I love you, April. Have a great day today. Thank you so much for doing this. I love you. Thank you, Ellen. Bye, baby. Bye. 